Please listen carefully. Welcome to the Cultural Stew Podcast, coming to you from the Goat Factory Media Entertainment Studios. We are your cultural media recommendation podcast, giving you our take on what we think is worth carving your time out for, and also what we think you can pass on and maybe go cut that lawn instead. Warning, we use adult language and there may be spoilers ahead. Hello and welcome. My name is Ron Herkins Jr. and I am joined today by my co-hosts, Tony and Valerie Vidmar. And we would also like to introduce our special guest this week is Danny Hoskins. Hey, how you doing? Good, Danny. Danny, tell us who the heck you are. <laughs> so uh, I, uh, I'm, I'm the artistic director over at Blackfriars Theater down on Main Street, East Main Street in Rochester, New York. Uh, I'm an actor and a uh, theater director and a writer um, and also a, a teacher, part-time teacher. Uh, and uh, and he's yeah. also a guy who occasionally wears superhero shirts. I have, I have one on today. He has one on today. <laughs> Danny was brought on not only because he's a really cool dude and he's got a lot of involvement in theater, but he's also a huge superhero geek. And we mm-hmm. decided that today we would dedicate today's episode to basically superhero stuff to get it out of the way so Valerie feels better that we can just not talk about superheroes too much later in the future. We always will. It's going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think this is not, yeah, the end. Yeah, no, it's probably not. It's like any like superhero who dies in the comic books, you know, they are always <laughs> due to come back again. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, today's docket, we're going to discuss uh, a little bit about the news that we care about. We're going to go into some of our recommendations of the week, and then we're going to go into our stew, which will be the rise of the superhero, which will lead into our topic of discussing the movie of the week, which was Black Panther. Going first, what are some of the things that you got from the news this week? Big one. Well... The Oscars, which we had dedicated a podcast to, um, I feel like we dedicated more time to putting that together than they did the Oscars. Um, I felt like for the 90th anniversary show, there was no class there. I don't know what anybody else thought. The fact that they're bringing Helen Mirren in on a jet ski, I can't believe that she is doing that. And she had all her clothes on, Tony, by the way. I'm glad. I mean, this um, the first. Well, twice. Anyway, um, I hope this is Jimmy's last year. I thought he was flat. And I, I don't know. I was disappointed that there was no big opener. Just him. Just like a comedian. Well, just out there doing his jokes. Well, when we had Neil Patrick Harris, it was like watching the Tony Awards or a pre-Tony Awards show, if you know what I mean. So it was we. This is movies. Tony Awards are theater, so we can't have song and dance in a film show. You absolutely can. When no, Hugh Jackman did it, it was fantastic. Mm, it kind of... My biggest takeaway from it is it actually finished before 12 o'clock. It did, actually. That was I remarkable. I was able to stay up for the whole thing and like not fall asleep. Yeah, but to have all these people come in and start talking about... Oh, I guess I'm not going to get the jet ski or, you know, I'm not getting... I'm jet ski. I think totally the show... It was... Annoying. And we were talking about this offline, um, yeah. is that they got rid of, what did they get rid of? Um, they introducing the movies. They got rid of introducing the movies. And so it shortened down it dramatically. Um, 
which I, I don't know. I could have come or gone with the Oscars this year. They more montages. The montages. The montages were nice. They, I yeah. enjoy the montages cool. very much. I thought that the stage was out of control. Um, it looked, it looked like foil. Like I mean, it was pretty, but it was just. I, I wanted something that there was is, a little I, bit more. I don't more. think there's any middle line on that stage. I am in the, the camp of I completely hated what I was watching on stage. It, really? It looked like some cheap Russian knockoff it was set foil. that was brought in. It was just weird. It was futuristic almost in some strange way. Oh, you're way. talking about the, the proscenium, the Savarsky crystals? Yeah. Yeah. I was talking yeah, that yeah. out thing and then the inside was just... I don't know. I was so underwhelmed. And the fact that I don't know what you guys thought, but when they came in and did Coco's song with what's his bucket singing? Garcelle? Is it Garcelle? I know uh, you're talking yeah, about I got his name. Is, uh, pretty, I, I thought yeah, it, was, it, was, it was terrible. Awful. Yeah. It was Awful. worse than Sam Smith's performance, but I don't know if he was nervous or not, but I felt like I was watching a repeat of you know, Smith's. He couldn't hit a note. He was nervous. He was talk yeah. singing. I heard he was talk singing. Was yeah, awful. And I didn't buy that, but I think he was just nervous. It happens. Yeah. So the, the disappointment for me was, of course, Dunkirk didn't win. Um, but you but knew that. I, I knew that going in. I knew it wasn't going to take the way the best pitcher, but at least should have gotten the best director. And this is one of the few years that best director and best pitcher both ended up on the same film. Right. So the highlight for me was Roger Deakins finally walking away with a cinematography win. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's 14 cool. nominations. This dude is just, you know, from Shawshank Redemption to Fargo to uh, Oh Brother, Where Art Thou? And he's never won. <laughs> Yeah. It's like, how has this happened? But Dunkirk took away a couple of the, the pretty well-deserved technical wins. Right. Well, they're going to do what they always do. They're going to say, oh, we should have given to you back when and make up for it years later. And by that point, it'll be a film that Nolan's not his best, but it'll be a gimme. It's hard with Nolan. I mean, Nolan has, uh, to me, there hasn't been a weak film that he's put out. Mm-hmm. I mean, I there's been some that are sub that are less than what his other good ones are, but right. they're still better than a lot of the other crap that's been coming out. Oh, that's true. Yeah. Um, mm. I was very happy about uh, Call Me By Your Name getting adapted screenplay. When? A movie that none of you saw? No. No. Nope. Yeah. Now, you sent you sent me a link on the Call Me By I Your did, Name? I did, yes. Okay. They're doing a sequel. As okay. you already yes, know, the sequel's coming. I, thought, I almost thought that was a joke. So I thought this I. was like somebody like the you know, making the Transformers multiverse out of Call Me By Your Name. I didn't realize that they're actually legitimately making Call Me By Your Name 2 and Call Me By Your Name 3. It's like Chase I guess, Ray. well, if you, well, the book makes it possible. So reading the book and having seen the first movie... It's possible. I okay. just hope that they. I just wasn't sure if I was being on. sent a, like a fake onion article or. Yeah, that was, was actually onion legit. Too, but it was legit. I was like, wow, okay. I don't know. Be, watch it. They'll be happy. But yeah. Not, Any uh, trailers come down this week? We have Lost in Space is coming out, which is going to be a fantastic, I think it'll be great at least, fantastic Netflix series. Um, we have San Clarita's Diet is coming out, season two. It's a black comedy. It's with uh, was it Drew Barrymore. Drew Barrymore and Timothy, Timothy Olympiant. Oh, yeah. Uh, 
Yeah, oh, he was okay. in Go, which is when I first saw him. I and, love season one. Yeah. And he's also, he's one of my favorite actors. I don't know if you ever saw Justified. Yes. Phenomenal. And I thought it was like made for him. Deadwood was, did you see oh, Deadwood? Deadwood. Deadwood. Oh, yes. freaking, oh, and they're coming back with a movie. Yeah. Well, they keep saying that. They keep saying that. They keep saying that. Yeah. I'm just going to keep going with they're coming out with a movie. <laughs> Dr. Seuss's Grinch is coming out, which when I first saw the trailer for that, I'm like, Dr. Seuss is being remade into a computer animated version. So we had the live action with Jim Carrey, and now we have a... When it did Cumberbatch. Well, we had the 2D version. Then we had the gr- the live action right, version. Sorry, yes. With practical effects. And now we're having the straight 3D. With Benedict Cumberbatch. It's what the live action could have been, I guess. I don't understand. It's money. It's money. It's all about money. Um, and then lastly, we have Frollo is coming out with Ms. Melissa Leo, Tessa Thompson, who was Valkyrie and Thor and Dear White People, Willie Goldberg, and Anna Paquin. Frollo looks like a nice, sweet little... Indie film that I need to see. Anna Paquin. Oscar winner. Anna Paquin. Os- I know. Oscar winner. Just, she it was rogue. Me. She was rogue in uh, I, X-Men. Oh, I know who she was. So, I mean, she won an Oscar when she was what? Eight. Two. Eight. Seven. Young. For, very young. It was yeah. a piano. The piano. Was it, it piano or violin? It's something like that. But yeah, she won. So, And she's been working since. Yeah, working on a lot of crap since. She tries. <laughs> She's not giving a lot. Let's hope that, the, that <laughs> this movie is a good one. Well, she's not in it a whole lot. So we have Melissa Leo. Oh, well, then that's good. And Tessa Thompson. Well, I like Melissa Leo a lot. Okay. And that wraps up the news. <laughs> Let's move on to other stuff we want to talk about today, like what we had in our recommendation list. And up first is Valerie. I went to go see A Wrinkle in Time. I saw it Friday because we did not have school and went with two eight-year-old girls who enjoyed it. Uh, it's an adapt- it's, okay, so it's an adapt- adaptation um, of the 1962 Newbery Medal winner novel written by Madeline Lingle. Is that how you say it? I've sure. never said it out loud, actually. Uh, the story centers around Meg Murray, who's played by Storm Reed. Who's fantastic, by the way. And her little brother, Charles Wallace, who was a newcomer, Derek McCobb, and uh, they've been out with, they've been without their father uh, for about four years. Although it's very prevalent that it's four years, even though other things all over the internet say five. It drives me crazy. Um, so their father is played by Chris Pine, <laughs> which my daughter was thrilled about, which is probably the reason she saw the movie. What does she recognize him from? Wonder Woman. Okay. Nice. She saw him uh, last weekend and is still pretty. Yeah, Twitter paid it about him. <laughs> uh, anyway, father has been, uh, he was a NASA theoretical physicist who, with his wife, discovered tessering, which is the ability to surf through dimensions of space and time using your mind. Uh, Meg is a lost 12-year-old girl who's bullied. Uh, she seems to be giving up on school when she was a great student. You know, she's in the principal's office, da-da-da-da-da. Um, she's befriended by a classmate, Calvin, who is played by Levi Miller, uh, who has lost himself. He is pretty easy on the eyes, and he's popular at school, but... His life at home is pretty abusive, so he's pretty drawn into Meg's family. He finds them fascinating. 
Um, and the movie was loaded with some talent. Yeah, it 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 was. And little brother uh, Charles Wallace introduces the talent, I guess, uh, the supernatural three uh, women who are Mrs. What's it? Which is Reese Witherspoon, Mrs. Who, which is Mindy Kaling, and Mrs. Witch, which is Oprah Winfrey. Um, and when they learn that their father is alive, the children go on a mission to save him and traveling by tessering to the planet, which is even into the black or it, which is the source of all evil in the universe. Okay, you get the point. Yep. Uh, visually, I thought it was eye-catching. It was gorgeous. It was something to watch. I I did enjoy that. Um, this was directed by a- Ava, Ava DuVernay, right? DuVernay, yeah. DuVernay, DuVernay she's the first woman of color to be given a film budget of a million dollars so, or a million dollars. So that, that that was an interesting fact, I guess. Um, so... So where do you stand on this? I, I had some problems with it. Uh, Chris Pine... Your hesitation in your voice is, is <laughs> making that come off. The thing is, is that they have Chris Pine, you know, the father that's gone. And, you know, I read, we read, we read part of the book. We read half the book, I will admit that, because we weren't ready for the second half. Um, But he's supposed to be, you know, they show him as this great dad and he's showing her all these scientific experiments and he's handsome and he's, you know, you know, whatever. But when they get to see him and she finds him, Meg finds him. Uh, and then uh, Charles Wallace gets taken over by the it. So he's pretty evil. He's pretty terrible. Um, Chris Pine is ready to get out of there and go home. And he's grabbing Meg to go tessering back and decides he's going to leave his son there, uh, which we thought for a second there. We were looking at each other like, oh, this is a joke. Like it's actually not her dad. It's the it. It's taken over his body and it's trying to take her somewhere else. No, it's not. Um, Meg, this is where Meg is so much more courageous and tells her dad to get lost. I'm not leaving my brother and fights the evil with love, basically telling him how much he loves her or how she loves him and you love me and da 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 da. Love conquers all kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that it tries a lot of different things. It tries to speak to young girls about, you know, just being who you are. Um, Meg has her has curly hair and glasses and she's a little nerdy. And, you know, Calvin, who is this popular guy, likes her just the way she is. But her brother, who when going through evil, shows her this is what you could be. With straightened hair, no glasses, and she's wearing this dress, and she looks—I didn't even know who she was. Kind of showing that you know you could completely strip yourself down and look like everybody else in the magazines, and she disregards it. But um, what's your bottom line here? Are you saying I'm talking too much about this movie? No. What's your bottom line? Is it a, is it a rush to the theater to go see it? I think you should go just to see. Like the Jolly Green Giant, Oprah. Side she note: is huge, uh, Just Ava so tall. Was 
on the shortlist to be the director of Black Panther, but she said no. Interesting. I, if you have children, go. It's a kids movie. I, but I was left as kind of. I was on the fence about seeing this this week, and I ended up just taking the family to go see Black Panther instead. I think that's fine. I mean, I think it's visually beautiful, everything, but I don't know. It doesn't really feel... Was it the screenplay that was lagging, you think, or was it direction? Do you know the difference? Well, the screenplay was written by the uh, Jennifer Lee, is that right? Uh, she wrote Frozen. Um, so maybe lacking there. Oh, I have to see the Oprah basically was Oprah standing up saying these amazing things, but she's not really looking at anybody... It was kind of strange. I'll have so. to watch the movie then, I guess. And, or I get the screenplay. I'll probably read the screenplay first. But Of um, course you will. So then, but you won't get to see all the visuals. I can Go to see the visuals. After. There's some nice stuff in there. I think it's not, it's not worth. Eye candy. It's, it's, yeah, it's worth your time. If during an afternoon, go. Cool. All right. And I had the opportunity, um, I should say, I actually had the time this week to actually uh, go through and watch Jessica Jones season two. Um, Jessica Jones season one was pretty strong to me. It was probably one of the the stronger of the online Netflix, uh, online Netflix, yeah, online Netflix uh, Marvel Universe uh, pieces. And it just, Jessica was just this broken down piece of thing that just she didn't give a shit about anything. And so I was excited to see what they were going to do with season two, especially after, you know, we now got already had Defenders. So we've already had one cycle of everybody had their own series. So here we come back to see what's up for Jessica Jones season two. So the, the same old people are there. You got Kristen Ritter, Rachel Taylor, Carrie Ann Moss and Eka Darville. And you got newcomers. You got um, Terry Chen, J.R. Ramirez and Janet McTeer. Um, an interesting thing about this before I dig into a little bit about my thoughts about this season was that all 13 episodes were directed by women. Mm. And they made that a point going into the production of this that they were going to make sure that all women directed everything. So they didn't even put a call out for men. They just said, you know, going for the women here. And it story-wise, the season is slow. Um getting into what the setup is. There's a lot of, um, like I, I would like to call them false positives, that you think, oh, I know what's going on, and then only to find out, like, oh, that was a wild card that they just threw in there to drag you off the case. Mm-hmm. Until about episode, I think it was about seven or eight, when they throw out the flip card and say, oh, here you go. And out of respect for our guest today, I'm not really <laughs> going to dig into what that uh, flip card was because it's pretty big. Um, but let's just say if you thought Jessica Jones was broken before, she gets broken big time. Mm. And my criticism of this season was that I felt like I was watching a daytime soap opera that really? was spread out over 13 episodes. It didn't feel tight to me. It felt very long and it mm. felt like a family drama the whole time. There was not a lot of, you know, I like watching a lot of good choreographed fighting. You know, um, things that have depth, um, villains that have depth, and all of that seemed lacking for me. What they did put into the series in that big flip card is big, 
Did it need to happen in season two? Did it need to happen at all? I don't think it did. So if you're listening and you've seen the season, you now know what I'm talking about. Um, see the season. I mean, it's great. I'm not going to say skip it, but it's not one of those ones I'm going to say, yeah, go sit down and watch all 13 episodes in a row like I did. Um, just let it let it be a slow burn. You know, Watch it over the course of a couple weeks and just let it be what it is. And I think it'll probably be better. I don't think it, this was meant to be uh, binge watch. I've been trying to raise my kids to bed so that I can sit and watch it. So yeah, I just I, it, it feels out of it feels out of place with the rest of the stuff where it feels like you can just binge watch and watch one episode after another. This feels like you just need to watch one, let it sit, watch another one, let it sit huh. for it to be effective. I just think the the binge watching just killed the momentum of it for me. So I'll be interested to see. Are you going to watch it, Tony? Uh, I'm not sure yet. Okay, I'll definitely be watching it. So <laughs> I'll give you my take. And Rachel Taylor's uh, Rachel Taylor, who plays um, Pat, Patsy Patricia Walker, her mm-hmm. basically her best friend slash sister ever since growing up. I think she actually has the best role of the season, and it's just so it's watching the two of them go in opposite directions is kind of fascinating. So. How about you, Tony? Okay, so I was going to watch a lot of things, but I wound up not doing it because my attention span was short. So a lot of what I was going to watch, I stopped watching after 10 minutes and said, nope, 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 nope. What, but I, what did you say no to? I don't want to get into it. I just can't. <laughs> Come not, on. No, I can't. Not going to that. Give us one. But One. Please? Okay. I just finished wa- finished watching The Crown season two, uh-huh. and it's been out for a very long time. Right. And like Ron said, the soap opera feel, I felt season two of The Crown was just slow. Where I was, I'm hearing it's fantastic from it's my fan, friends. It's fantastic, but it was slow. And season one was fast, and it had urgency, and I wanted to watch. Season two, I felt like I was watching a soap opera, and it's sad. And I love English history. I just wasn't, and I was wide awake, and I was just slouching in my chair, slower and deeper and deeper till my eyes closed, and nothing compelled me to keep watching. But you but finished it. I did. It was good, but I don't like that feeling when I'm watching something on Netflix that I can binge and watch. It. Okay. Yeah. But that's not what you wanted to talk about no. today. But thank I watched, you for giving us that. I watched Logan Lucky, Steven Soderbergh's film from last year. Uh, it's like Ocean's Eleven, but better. And I don't want to say that often, but... <laughs> <laughs> it is a quirky film, I'll give it that. I loved it. I don't know why. I just it. Okay, so here we have... we have The payoff in the last five minutes yes. was worth it. We have Channing Tatum. We have Adam Driver from... Star Wars. Star Wars. Daniel Craig. With Seth, Seth MacFarlane, Sebastian Stan is from Winter Soldier, Spunky. and Hilary Swank, and Katie Holmes from Dawson's, Dawson's Creek, Creek. <laughs> <laughs> or Batman Begins. So We're just, just joking, yeah. yeah. Dawson is a good show, but um, well, see, Katie Holmes didn't come back for Dark Knight, so she doesn't exist yeah, in the universe that, that, for me. There is me. I can blame Tom Cruise for that, but we won't get into that story right now. Um, so, <laughs> yeah. what did Dawson's Creek? What the hell? <laughs> wow. But um, the film was good. I mean, I watched that film, and then I saw Ocean's Eleven again. And I said, wow, Steven. But he didn't write, but yeah, still. The pacing in that film was so much faster. They didn't have to explain anything. They just said, oh, well, we're going to break out of jail. And they just broke out of jail. And there was no reason in rhyme to how they did it. Just Daniel Craig's, Joe Bang knew how to do it from the get-go. I'm like, why don't you escape more often or just leave jail? <laughs> it was funny. It was a really good time. And my daughter and I were watching it. She's two. And we were laughing. And yeah. It's a weird movie, and I loved it a lot. And it's not something you should rush out to see. 
but it's definitely something you should watch when you're bored at home or you just want to laugh a lot. Yeah, and it's on Amazon, Amazon Prime. Prime right now. Yeah. Yeah. I loved it. Yeah. It was fantastic. Good to know. I, I, I had never fun. even heard of this movie. I okay, so the one thing I was watching a trailer for it on YouTube <laughs> and Daniel Craig's character says in car he the way he says incarcerated, just I said, Wow, okay. Daniel's not Bond anymore, he's just Redneck Hick. Yeah. <laughs> right. With bleach blonde hair. And the yeah. Twitters, and yeah, just everything was just like, wow. And then Seth MacFarlane for Family Guy in the film, and you don't recognize him until you say, wait, that his eyes. I look at eyes, guys. Um, I'm like, that's Seth. And then you realize, oh, he's playing a cartoon character the whole, the whole <laughs> movie. And Adam Driver is playing his paternal grandfather, I guess. He's playing Anakin Skywalker with the one hand the whole time. Like, wow, this is a Star Wars reference. And it's just weird. It's just a whole Marvel, DC, Star Wars, geek fan. Like, I know him from here, her from there, and it's... It's Interesting. fun. It's I, just, I think it was great because it actually like it took all these people that you're used to seeing in very serious, more serious, right. dramatic roles, and gave them that little bit of extra humor that Soderbergh likes to give that quirkiness to. And um, it wasn't even like they're trying to be funny. It's just the dialogue was just true. Everything they said was true. I mean, Joe Bang's brothers in the film don't—they're not trying to be funny. They just—that's just those. Are, there are people out there like that, and just everything felt genuine. And there was no, oh, we're going to do this, this, and this, and this. Like in Ocean's Eleven, it's just we are going to rob this vault, and we're going to do it this way. We're just going to do it. And the lack of explanation made it move faster. I think if they had explained everything, I would have been bored. And everything came together as a whole. Every, the camera work, the direction, the dialogue, locations, everything. So I would watch that anytime, over and over. We're going to take a short break, and we'll be right back. Hey, you. That's right. I'm talking to you. Insert your ad here. That's right. Ever wanted to become part of an ad? Ever have something that really wants to be shared, and it's created and made by you? Well, this is your chance. Become part of the Cultural Stew advertising platform. Contact us today. See what we can do for you and what you can do for us. And welcome back to the show. Today, our stew is going to be on the rise of the superhero movie. You want to start us off there, Tony? Okay, so everyone thinks that superhero film, well, they used to think superhero films were jokes or campy. We have Batman, the TV series to blame for that. I would assume, because you had Adam West. The and Adam West series? Burt Ward dancing around in tights and making jokes and the splat, bam, and poofs. But then in 1978, Superman the movie came out with Chris Reeve and Gene Hackman and Michael Kidder. And that changed everything. For a little while, at least, I think. We had Batman the movie with Michael Keaton and Jack Nicholson in 89 that came out. And then we've been kind of in a... 90s up and down roller coaster, and then the 2000s millennium hit, and we got a little bit more serious. So, yeah, going back to Superman and Batman, I want to touch on those two films. Mm-hmm. Um, Danny, mm-hmm. you are a huge Batman fan. Mm-hmm. What was it like seeing? I mean, you would at that point you'd, you'd already seen the Adam West stuff, right? Oh yeah, yeah. 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 And so, you read the and the read the comic books, or yeah. okay, yeah, yeah, okay. So here comes Batman comes out. Unlike it completely 180 from the Batman that you've seen on screen already, what was it like seeing it the first time? It, it was fantastic. It was thrilling. You, you know, we were what uh, 
14 years old, 13 years old at that time. It was it, that was awesome. I loved Michael Keaton. Michael Keaton mm-hmm. was was the bomb. There's a lot of doubt. My dad even said he didn't trust Michael Keaton. He's a comic. This guy couldn't do it. But then Michael surprised everyone. He was yeah. fantastic. Well, yeah. well, think about the, the team that you had going in there. You had uh, Tim, uh, Burton. Tim Burton, who mm-hmm. had a history of these dark, quirky films up to this point. Michael Keaton, who was Mr. Comedian. Mom. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And on the music side, you had... Danny Elfman. Danny, Danny Elfman, who was from Boingo Boingo, right? Right. He was... He was? Yeah. Oingo Boingo? Yes. I did not know that. <laughs> yes. Oh, my God. The Tim Burton said, hey, why don't you come film this sco- this for me? And he mm, ended up with this no Batman way. theme that is like anybody can... Iconic, yeah. Um, yeah. But, and then... Bring on one of the, the greatest actors of our generation, Jack Nicholson, and make him the villain of the movie. Yeah. So, yeah, you have all this quirkiness. And then let's throw Jack Palance on there, too. <laughs> and uh, you have a movie that's for the first time in the superhero thing where people, like, took notice. Like, yeah, you had the Superman stuff. Yeah. But here we are with Batman, and I think it starts setting the tone for what everything else that comes after. Because now they're like, oh. Let's make a sequel. Well, it was dark. It was it was dark for the first time. Superheroes were were heavy and dark. Where was and the hope? Where and, was the hope? Right. Yeah. And, and it was it was uh, they, they nailed it. I mean, it was it was. Well, yeah, I mean, we ran around quoting that movie for years and years and years. Don't kill me, man. Don't kill me. I'm not going to kill you. I want you to do something. Do me a favor. What, what is? Have you ever danced with the devil in the pale moonlight? Yeah. yeah. Okay. No one is me. talking about bad dance. Why? <laughs> that, what? Prince was awesome. Okay, Prince was fantastic. Because that is, that is, Prince is my, my my guy. And Bad Dance was awesome. Mm-hmm. It was awesome. Did you not like Bad Dance? Uh, it's not even in my memory. Bank. Are you serious? Do you remember the music video? I mean, for that, that was awesome. You have got to listen to this. I was this. nine years old. Oh my gosh. The fact oh, that my name Kim is... Basinger. Oh yes. my goodness. And the fact that... I do that all the time. <laughs> anyway, sorry. This town needs a little. Oh my gosh, it's the, it's the best song. I had the greatest time with. It. I just love that song. I played it all the time. There's all these quirky, I'm, different quirky elements that you wouldn't think would work together. And he throws and them in. They do, and it did. And the video is is great. He just had a great time with it. I love that they put Prince in, yeah. into that. Yeah. So. Anyway, sorry. I had, I had a phone. I had the Bat phone. The my I had the phone. The Batmobile phone. And it was it was that Batmobile, and it was the, the the first phone I had as a kid. Like I actually wanted a phone because it was the Batmobile cool. phone, and the, the the headlights lit up when the phone rang. That I is rem- cool. I remember walking into what was it, like one of those bookstores that was in the mall at oh, that I, time. I, yeah, I missed those, but yeah. yeah. Um, I remember walking in there, <laughs> like Brookstone or something. Yeah, it might have been Brookstone. Right in the middle, there was the Waldens. The art Waldens. Waldens there we go. Oh, yeah. yeah, it was the art of Batman. And it was sitting right there. And as I walked in as a kid, I'm like, that was the first thing. Like, I picked that up. I was like, oh, I got to see this. And just pouring through, like, all the meticulous gadgets and everything that were made. I was like, oh, that is so cool. Yeah. Like, the, the bat gauntlet or the grappling hook that was all tore down. But anyways, back to what we were talking about here. You have Batman starting to set the stage, taking over the baton from Superman. Superman had already put out three movies at this time. Yeah. Or had they gone four? Uh, let's see. I think they were done at that point. I think okay. 87, 88 was when they were finished. And mm-hmm. so we have this new wave of blockbusters um, that started with the Indiana Jones. You got the Jaws. You've got, 
you know, these things that become the summer tent poles that all start back to the future. All these things are like everybody's into the trilogy mode and making things and uh, let's do them in threes. Let's make as many as we can. And so they try to do that with Batman. Mm. The second one comes along. It was okay. It's okay. Third one comes along. No. Mm. No. (laughs) What happened? (laughs) Well, okay, I'll say this. I think that Jim Carrey was a good Riddler and I think Tanley Jones was a great Two-Face. So for those villains, the story worked, and the costumes and flamboyancy worked because they're both flamboyant, extravagant characters. So that was my, like, okay, I'll go with this. It was fine. It was still dark and gothic, but still vibrant, and it worked. Four came along, and I'm like, no, definitely not. Of course not, no. It was just, it was blending too much, and they knew they were being campy. It was like we're going back to Adam West, and I said, this is not, you're making puns. So I said, you're, you have a higher budget than a TV show. You're making puns and witticisms. And Arnold's just like, uh, I'm just going to sit here and make fun of. Ugh. It's just, no, no. Yeah. I tuned out at that point. I'm like, I can't watch Batman. And then I waited until Nolan came out. But we're going to get into that. But yeah. And I, th- I think it, it drove a nail into the movie industry. And they're like, when they saw it, when 4 came out, there's like, oh, oh, man, nobody's going to take comic book. I mean, that was 96, Batman Forever? 96. 96, 97? 97 was forever. That was, yeah. And that was still borderline, though. You have to admit, that was still borderline was, okay. So if you, took, if you took it at its own, as its own thing, it yeah. was okay. If you separated it from Batman and Batman Returns, right. then, you could, then you could palette uh, Batman forever. But if you, if, you, if you tried to tie it to it, it, just, no. it, didn't, it didn't work. And so here we are, like all of a sudden we're back at the camping, and 25. we start having these films that are mediocre comic book films come out. You have Daredevil. You have Elektra. That was a, yeah. Sorry, go continue. Yeah. Uh, Fantastic Four. Um, even you gonna Dolph throw Lundgren as the Punisher? The original Punisher, yeah. I was going to throw the second Punisher in there, but the original Punisher was pretty bad. Yeah. Um, the Thomas Jane one was... Uh, yeah. John Travolta one. Catwoman. 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 I mean, you have all these films that everybody's trying to jump onto the comic book wave that just started... And they just start producing crap. Well, Spawn was, I think, different. I remember seeing Spawn with my brother because Junior would watch that over and over again. And for what it was, Spawn wasn't bad. It was just bad effects. They're dated now, but back then they were even bad. But the story was good. It was dark. It was nasty and gritty. And it worked, but just it wasn't time for it yet. And I think it was like you're saying, that was the time we were pushing everything out to see what they could, what would bite. Yeah. And it just didn't work. I mean, well, yeah. and the, the biggest absence here was the lack of Marvel movies. You had Daredevil, Elektra, and the work to the Punisher. But there was... Spidey. Spidey didn't come out yet. Spidey was basically the start of the next generation here. We have all of a sudden, 20th Century Century Fox puts out the X-Men movies. Right. Right. And then... 2005. Yeah. Nothing. (laughs) So he puts out... They start putting out the X-Men movies. And then Tobey Maguire's performance as Spider-Man comes out in... 2007. 2004. 2004? The first, the first Spider-Man's 2004. That's with Tobey and Wim Dafoe, and that's yeah. when John Jimmy Franco was on oh. screen, stumbling yeah. his way through. Or 2002. 2002. I think it was one of those days. Spider-Man 2 is 2004. You're right. You're correct. Sorry. 2002. So all of a sudden, we have X-Men. We have Spider-Man. They're starting to tap into the Marvel Universe. As now we've just noticed, all of a sudden, the DC universe burned out. You know, you have Batman Forever came out, mm-hmm. and then there was 
Catwoman, and that was it. It just flamed out. Ang Lee comes along and makes the Hulk. Everything's Ang Lee, you know, this great director. He did, you know, it was a Crouching Tiger, Hidden Cr- Dragon. Great film. So I was like, oh, this is going to be awesome. And it just completely failed. Yeah. It bombed. It bombed is a good word for I like Eric Bana a lot. I do. I just didn't buy him in that role. It didn't sit well with me at all. And no. I, I had such great... Ex- I Okay, the Hulk was my guy. I had Hulk underoos. I had a Hulk toy box. I would pretend to be the Hulk. This is when I was six, five, six. Just letting <laughs> you know because I was all we'll about... check that with Jason. Bill Bixby was my... I just had a huge crush on Bill Bixby. I don't know who has That's an crush. <laughs> I know. Anyway, I couldn't watch. I couldn't. Anyway, so the Hulk, that movie coming out was exciting, and then it wasn't. So, yeah. So Hulk kind of bombed out there. You've got the X-Men universe kind of starting to solidify itself a little bit. You've got the Spider-Man. Two came out. Getting Jason. ready to come out with three. No. And here comes Nolan. <laughs> right. Bringing Batman back from the dead in 2005. I think that's about right. With Batman Begins. Mm-hmm. This is where you're going to split your viewers, your listeners. Well, it depends. Because Batman Begins started solidifying the next generation of DC movies. But it took it from the perspective of what I think is one of our our current generation's best directors. And he already put in Memento at this time and ins- not Incept- um, Insomnia. Mm-hmm. And here he comes along, grabs Christian Bale, another great actor from our generation, and throws him in as Batman. Well, I, I think it was great. I loved it. I, I think I think Batman Begins really was really strong. Was really was really a strong voice. Was really a strong attack on it. I think it brought it back again to that dark, brooding um, world that he's in. Um, and I'm I'm on the I'm on the uh, I'm on the side of I love Christian Bale's Batman voice. I'm on the I'm on the side that I think it works. When you I can think. understand it, or when just overall, <laughs> when you can are understand you it. against the Christian Bale voice? Or I like it, but it's better than Bane's. But um, it is better than Bane's. <laughs> Anything is I better. I thought it was getting gruffier and gruffer as it went. The it, series went it, along. It did. So, it was I mean, if crazy. You ever you know you take your voice down there for long enough, it's going to get worse. Yeah, it was. So, the Dark Knight saga begins, and in the midst of the Dark Knight saga, something else starts happening. Marvel has taken over basically all of its own films and started its own movie company. And the first one that they decided to put out is Iron Man in 2008, which is also the same year as, I believe, Dark Knight. Yep, 2008, yeah. So, in the shadow of Dark Knight... Literally. Which was awesome. <laughs> yeah. Is probably Dark Knight is my favorite superhero movie. There's it, it, nothing is beat it yet. And I don't know what it is. I can just keep going back to that film over and over. And it could be as simple as just like, and I mentioned this a couple weeks ago, I got the Dark Knight on 4K. Um, and watching the IMAX scenes come up on 4K, cool. and you're just like, oh my gosh. Mm-hmm. It's, like, there was so much craft and creativity that went into that, not only from, you know, the acting of. Uh, uh, the Joker in that to uh, what Nolan put into it as a filmmaker. I think it was the the, the solidification that a Marvel or not Marvel um, 
DC. the superhero genre is here. And then Iron Man comes out. And everybody... You know what's surprising about that film behind the scenes is that that film was totally improvised, but not a lot of people know that. There's no script. They just said, we have a basic idea of what we want to do. We're going to let uh, Ron, Robert Downey Jr. do his thing. And they went at it. They had to outline what they wanted, and they executed it perfectly. And it worked. Well, it was a huge gamble for Marvel. It yeah. was. I mean, he had, uh, he had just, Robert Downey Jr. had just come off of pretty... Drugs. Kiss Kiss Bang Drugs, Bang was his Kiss Kiss Bang Bang great film Sorry. put him back yeah, in there with Val Kilmer and it just put him in to the point where like if you didn't watch that film you didn't know what Robert Downey Jr. was just set up to to do yeah and he had some small roles and some other things once he came back out of jail he had some small Dude, roles I mean he, he was he, winning over really women in Ally McBeal <clears throat> I don't know if you've seen Alan McBeal. I have seen Alan McBeal. I had to watch it growing up. But I yeah. love Alan McBeal, and, and yeah, what that's thing when is, he started coming back. Robbie Downey was a insurance risk where Val Kilmer put up some money to ensure that Robbie Downey, Downey wouldn't flunk Kiss Kiss Bang Bang. Oh, so, I just wanted to – sorry. Listening? I was just going to say this little strange little thing, and I don't know which movie it was because I was cramming too many movies in, but they call Robbie Downey Jr. or they call Iron Man the futurist – Oh, that's a good album, by the way. I know. That's his album. And I said, I just thought that was hilarious. They called him the futurist. Probably the just first a one. little Probably the first trivia. One. Okay, sorry. Go ahead. No. But, yeah. I think that, I mean, even Marvel, I read too that they said if Iron Man bombs, the Marvel Studios will close and they won't have any money. They put all their mm. money into that film and John Favreau, and they had no idea what was going to happen. They just said, John believes in what he's doing. Let's just, and it paid off. Yeah. But we had no idea what Marvel was doing no. because three months later, they put out The Incredible Hulk with right. Edward Norton in it. Right. And that set off the what we now know as the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Correct. Mm-hmm. Well, they came back in afterwards and did the Downey, the Robert Downey Jr. Right at the William end. Hurt thing at yeah. the end. Yeah. And here we are 10 years later. Infinity War is about to come out in a couple months. And we have 20... 20-something films. I think so. That are in the Marvel universe that has led to us to this point. What have been some of the highlights for you, Danny, that have uh, come out? Oh, geez. I've got my favorites, but... Uh, I mean, I think... I I, I agree. I think think The Dark Knight is one of the top... Not the top comic book film, but The Avengers. Going to see The Avengers was the best comic book movie experience. Like, the culmination of everything, you're waiting to see all these characters come together, and it's your, like, for me, I'll speak for me, it was like my childhood, like, waiting to see all of that happen. You had a jealousy moment for me, because you went to Comic-Con that year. Yes, yeah, and that was. And you got to see them <laughs> assemble on stage before yeah. everybody else. yeah. That was that was. I went with my best friend, who I had talked about in that other other our other uh, interview. Um, <clears throat> with my best friend and uh, another one of our friends. So there's you know we're late thirties. We grew up with this, and we're there. And the the hall is filled with all these people who are our age. Who the, you know there's there's some kids, but they're really you know thirty and forty year olds in the in this in this. And these they they bring the cast out one at a time, one at a time before the 
right before they bring the movie, right before the, the movie was going to come out. And it was like, <laughs> it was everyone on their feet screaming like they were 13-year-old boys and girls. Like this whole hall of 30 and 40-year-olds just screeching and screaming like they were 10-year-olds. I saw the video. It was pretty phenomenal. It, it's cr- it was crazy. But it had that kind of electricity, that kind of energy, that 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 um, nostalgia to to your to your childhood. Um and you're never, you know, that, that experience you're never going to get uh, with anything that, with, that it doesn't have that history to it. It has it. it, it, it they 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 capitalized on the history of of what they've been for years and years and years as comic books, as stories. And and I I, I know you were. I was heavily invested at that point into comic books. I had a huge collection. I was constantly reading them, um, whether it was by Image or Marvel. Mm-hmm. I didn't dig too much into the DC stuff mm-hmm. um, until later. Um, but you know, Captain America. You know, the first time that they announced that Captain America is actually going to get his own film, and then you say have that moment when the Avengers, there they are, they're they're all up there. Um, but it was tied back into how many stories? I mean, when did all these comics start? You know, you're talking about nineteen early nineteen twenties, nineteen thirties. Oh, they were they're booming. You mean after the Dirty thirties. And yeah. everybody's going out and they're needing There's depression. Yeah. They're depressed and they need to have comic books. So yeah. then they come back around the right the up. crash of two thousand eight. Um they start booming here. Um two thousand eight is when Iron Man started. Then we have the Incredible Hulk, uh two thousand eight looks like. And Iron Man two is two thousand ten. So that that's when they started coming back up again so i think it follows people need to get out they want to get out of their heads they want to have a good time and they draw upon stories that have you know we've had these characters you know if you want to read them all the way back to the the 40s and 50s these characters that have slowly been invented and brought along into the universe from what stanley brought in the 60s um unfortunately we still don't have some of those characters, but hopefully they'll be back one day soon. <laughs> um, but I think that's I th- to see your these characters that were brought to life. Here they are on screen. It's such a weird like I've, I you know I watched two uh, D animated films of these characters mm-hmm. and I never got that same reaction. What 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 is the reaction when they were finally brought on film on stage? Is it because they're real people? It's uh, yeah. It's hard. It's hard to describe. I mean, you. you, you it's it's when you're a kid. When you're a kid, you invest so much into whatever whatever pop culture you're you're in. Whatever whatever um, stories you're connected to, right? So you, it becomes your world. You set your world around it. So I think as you grow older, you have this nostalgia for. What you what you invested in as a kid, what you experienced as a kid, the loves that you had, the joys that you had, the things that excited you, and to see it come back around at a different age where you can really truly appreciate what they're doing with it brings a whole nother level of investment, um, and that's what they've capitalized on. And so when you see them on screen, you're you're not only seeing them as your you know thirty some or forty some year old self. You're seeing them as your 10-year-old self, your 12-year-old self. You're seeing this this almost dream realized. Um, and the other exciting thing is I've, I have nephews who are 11 and 14 now or 12 and 15 now. Um, 
and to see and seeing them see the films that if if I had experienced these films when I was twelve or thirteen, um, to see them experience it is a whole nother joy, is a whole nother excitement. As I sat at the movie theater yesterday with uh, my daughters, the the thing that popped in my head was like, wow. Daughter number one was four years old. The other daughter was one year old. And here we are 10 years down the line, and they they have gotten in just as invested as I as to what's happening in the story. And, you know, you talk about, like, what's happened over the, those 10 years. Some of my favorite movies throughout the Marvel Cinematic Universe Iron Man 1, Iron Man 3, uh, Winter Soldier yeah. um, mm-hmm. is probably my favorite yeah. of them. Avengers. Um, they even got a second Avengers film squeezed in there before they're going to get this, the, <laughs> the granddaddy of them all. Why, you is, have, why is Winter Soldier your favorite? I have a, a love of thrillers that came from watching the movies of this, like the 60s and 70s with my father with like the Gene Hackman spy uh, thrillers. And it was just something I connected on a level. And I don't know if it was just having Robert Redford in the movie, but it was written really well. It was, uh, I believe that was Joe Johnston's film. Um, so I had a little connection from Joe Johnston from his, you know, I love Jurassic, uh, that was Jurassic Park 3, I think, when he took over from Steven Spielberg. So right. he was supposed to be the next big thing, and he never mm-hmm. did. And I finally felt like, oh, he finally did something. Here here it is. This just is amazing. Um but I just, I don't, I just, I think it strips Captain down to his core, you know. It and it goes back to him like pulling that friendship in with Bucky of, of doing everything he can to pull his friend back and saying, "No, this is who you are. You need, you know, be here." But, um, and then we get the quirky, quirky stuff in there. You know, we get you get Thor directed by Kenneth Branagh, <laughs> and you get a Thor Ragnarok directed by uh, to. Taki, yeah. I can't ever say his name right. Who directed uh, Where the Wild Thing or What We Do in Where Shadows? And there's another film you're talking about. Yeah, the Wilder Shadows, the Wilder Beasts. Yeah. Um, and you know, you got Josh Whedon. I always thought he should do movies, but I think he's waited impatiently. I mean, I, he always wanted to do movies. He did Toy Story, that was his writing, you know, debut. And then he did Buffy and Angel, but he was waiting his time. Said, I want to do these films. But I'm not going to beg them. I'm going to wait for them to call me. And they did. So so Mar- Marvel builds up all these films. And guess who's trying to make a comeback during all this? Mm. Women? Oh, we're oh, not talking about women. Yet. women I'm there. sorry. Go ahead. DC is trying to come up and steal the thunder. Try to Try to replicate what Marvel's done in 10 years. Mm. And I know Danny has some strong feelings on... <laughs> the DC universe here. Well, the Batman films aside, the, 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 they haven't done anything good. The, the interesting thing, though, is the, the animated uh, component of it, the animated DC films. I know we're going to talk about animated DC good. films, but they're fantastic. They are. The animated DC films are, and they come out like one every year or every other year, they come up with a new one, and they're fantastic. The animated series, they're doing something really, really good, but their live action stuff is. Not. It's just it's it's devoid of feeling. It's devoid of of emotions. Devoid of anything that uh, excitement. It's just it's bleak. I felt that way during Man of Steel, and I love Superman a lot. But watching Man of Steel, it felt choppy. Just the pacing was all over the place, and it just it didn't know what it was trying to be. It was just trying to be too much, and they were relying on the fact that yeah. oh, this is a new Superman film. People are waiting for Superman to come out, and then I felt like they were just confused. They didn't know what they were doing. They just wanted to get something out. 
as fast as possible. And Batman vs Superman came out, and it's like let's just hurry to get this out too, so we can get to the uh, Justice League film. Now, how much of that comes from the Superman and Batman stories that we've already heard? Have we gotten to the point where we got ourselves desat or saturated? or desensitized from those Superman-Batman stories that we've heard them so much right now, whereas these Marvel stories are... I think that story-wise, the Batman-Superman stories, you can do new things with them, but I think we're recycling similar stories, and yeah. we keep going back to... I mean, Nolan's already established who Batman is, and the Chris Reeve films, we already know who Superman is, but they felt the need and Man of Steel to rehash everything. And it was nice having Krypton and having Russell Crowe be Jor-El and show that whole thing, but... We didn't need that. We needed Superman already established who he was, confident in who he was. We kind of needed Batman versus Superman. We didn't, oh, actually. Oh, we did. That was Rush 2. That was oh, horrible. We oh, we did. That why was, Why would we have needed that movie? We didn't. Oh, we, need, we, we needed Why did we need that movie? movie? To introduce Wonder Woman? Oh, yeah. Wonder Woman. Right. Remember, there are women there are in, better, these, in these movies. Yeah, yeah. and Martha Kent was A lot of them are good. Lois was horrible. Plastered up against the men, but. I felt like they just were in a hurry to do nothing. And that bugs me. Anyway. I wish that Wonder Woman could have been introduced so much better than she was. And again, it was the end game was Justice League is coming out in two years, so let's get her in here. That'll change people's minds about the film, and she'll be great. And it just so, I, to me, the best part of Batman vs Superman was the minute you hear the the drums right. for Wonder Woman. Right. I was like, oh, this made it worth it just to see that. But you're sleeping through the whole rest of the film. But yeah, it's just, <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> She was the best part of the whole film. She held her own, and it wasn't. It just, I, I love Superman a lot, but it just he was so confused. And the, and I know the comic book story about why Batman and Superman fight, but this one made no real sense to me. It was just like, oh well, I have to. They were fighting. What were they had to fighting? fight, but yeah. there's a more logical reason in the comic books. No, they were fighting something together. Hey, Doomsday. Doomsday. Man, that thing scared. scared well, he me. should be. I I was terrified. He should and I was you. at home. I was terrified. <laughs> But I think I think what you're saying, Tony, the, the that they tried to do too much. Yeah. I think that was their downfall. Oh. They tried to do way too much because they wanted to be what Marvel was. But Marvel took time. Right. They had a plan. They they went one by one by one and told really strong individual stories before finding their way to get together. And they trusted that people would would be would be patient and be excited by the stories. Like Wonder Woman, the film Wonder Woman film is great. The right. Wonder Woman, and it doesn't it didn't. With the exception of the tie-in of that picture at the beginning of the film, right. mm -hmm. and then at the at the end, there's really no need for her to be connected to Batman versus Superman. Like that story in itself could have been told without the need to be connected to that, and by itself, it stands alone. That whole that whole um, sequence on the beach with the uh, uh, German uh, army with the German army and the uh, the Amazon women is fantastic that right. action sequence is phenomenal it's so I watched just watched that over and over again like that film is a really good film by itself it right. didn't need to be mashed into this world or shoehorned in could have trusted us just to watch her grow and be introduced and then somewhere down the line exactly I think I think in their rush to to put out Justice League is they they missed those story points they missed they they didn't look at Marvel hard enough and seriously say, "Oh, maybe we can get people invested in our characters and actually care about them." Yeah. Um, have either of you? I know you're going to say no, but have anybody watched any of the CW DC? I have been watching shows? Flash. I watched the first season of the of Arrow, but yeah. that's as far as I've Supergirl. Gotten. I've seen Supergirl. Right, so you got yeah. Arrow, you got Supergirl, you got the Flash, and Legends of Tomorrow, and they just introduced Black Lightning. Right. Um, 
they recently just had a basically an Earth X crossover that involved all four of them, and they had the scene where there probably was twenty superheroes in one scene, and I was like, you know what? I felt more invested in that because of all my all these episodes and everything than yeah. I did in watching anything that came out with Justice League or Batman versus Superman. I didn't care about them at all. And I think that comes to the heart of where superhero movies need to go to stay relevant is they need to stick to the stories that matter. We have Wonder Woman that came out finally, you know, putting a female superhero front and center. We have Captain Marvel finally coming out, something that should have came out like five or six years ago. But for some reason, Hollywood didn't think that we're ready for it. Mm-hmm. Um, I've been ready for this for a while. But they did give us Jessica Jones. You know, they gave us um, these characters and let us invest in it. And now, even though we've been talking a very long time, we're going to briefly <laughs> roll into our media of the week. As these movies become more and more popular, they also are starting to shape how Hollywood is is treating the rest of um, the industry. Because you have a movie like Black Panther that just now crossed, after two weeks, $1 billion in commercial success. And who wants to lead off the Black Panther discussion? The one that fell asleep? (laughs) The one that's so-so? It's not so-so. It's just I'm not. I'm impressed by it, but I'm not like totally like fanboy to where I'm like, wow, this is the greatest thing ever, and it's great for what it is. And I guess I, I can lead it if you want me to lead. I can start. I this. liked what I saw. I just was tired. Okay. 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 You can go ahead. Okay. So Black Panther came out recently. I think what was it? February. We're in March now. Yeah. So yeah. that was great marketing on their part to release it during Black History Month, which is always good. And we have just reached the one billion mark this weekend I believe so we're the movie's making a lot of money and it's reaching a lot of people and hitting all the right points and directed by Ryan Congler right who did Fruit of Wall Station and uh, Creed. Creed Creed yeah and he's in Creed 2 yeah. and and he brought over from Creed he brought over Michael B. Jordan to play Killmonger right hmm. there is I'm dropping names I should know names Chadwick Bosman yes plays Black Panther Black Panther who uh he was in 42. I don't know. He played, he was in Marshall as well. He was well. in Marshall. He played Marshall. Okay. Yes. Yeah. So he's been getting around too. And uh, He was in Civil War too. Yes, he was. Yes. He was in Civil War too. And he stole the show in Civil War. Yeah. I mean, that was, and I think that's why he didn't make as much of an impact with just, if Black Panther just came out by itself. Right. Is because he carried a third of that film. You know, we, we saw his father die. We saw him chasing after uh, Bucky. Bucky, the whole film, <laughs> trying to get revenge on Bucky. Mm-hmm. So you're invested in that character heavily in Civil War. And Black Panther is the aftermath of that. Right. I just so, wanted to bring up a few more characters. Go ahead. Yeah. Okay. Lupita. Yes. Lupita's yeah. in here. Um, we also have Angela Bassett also in here. Mm-hmm. You have Michonne from Walking Dead. I know, and a lot of people didn't know who she was. Yeah, God, with her head shaved, I completely forgot. I like my, the, she's fantastic. Film, I'm like, oh, that's, that's why she's so good with a spear. Uh, <laughs> and uh, Latita Wright. And Forrest Whitaker. Um, is that, is Shuri? She's a sister, right? Right? Yeah. The Shuri is yeah, Latita Wright, who, she is great. She's great. 
I love that girl. I mean, I think she should have her own show. She probably will have her own spinoff movie. And we have she, also... She's cute, Pit, by the way. Brighton native? Brighton, Brighton native or Pittsburgh native Winston Duke. Brighton, yes. Oh, yeah. Played uh, uh, Mbaku. Mbaku. Uh, that was a great role. I thought it was fun in that. Cool. So what did, what did you get out of the film? Danny, you can go first. When I get out, yeah. I, I loved it. I, I was, I was, I saw it about a, I think a week, uh, the second week it was out. So all this, all this, uh, all the hype had been had been there, and so I went in with a little bit, um, ex- expecting more, uh, a bigger film, um, and and I was I was pleasantly surprised. It was quieter than I thought it was going to be. It was, it took its time. It was, um, it was classy. It had grace to it. Had elegance to it. I think it really created a whole new world that we hadn't seen before in the Marvel universe, which was really exciting. Um, but uh, I think there was a there was a great deal of power and a great deal of restraint and control of that power being shown through these characters. Um, that was very prideful um, and very uh, very graceful uh, that I don't think we've seen before in in these films. We've seen a lot of unabashed, just balls out, uh, you know, um, testosterone. For a lot of, of a yeah, so a lot of it is. Um, and this was really the power was restrained. The power was controlled. There was grace. There was elegance to this. There was a lot um, of in, internal changes. Yeah, there was a lot of. You weren't trying to. Uh, beat out somebody who's going to ruin the world or kill. It was more of a internal struggles, yeah. which I thought was cool. And uh, you had Killmonger, who was stole the show, as far yeah. as I'm concerned. To me, you have you have a very interesting story. So we we get introduced to Black Panther through Civil War, and you know we're all rah rah or for him. And we get into Black Panther, and we have basically a role where the roles are reversed. If you look at it. And uh, Chadwick Bosman has come out and said that he is the villain of the film and Killmonger is the hero. Mm-hmm. You have Killmonger coming from nothing, working his way up to the ranks to come back to his home country and take what was rightfully his. And But more importantly, showing like Chadwick Bosman like, or T'Challa, like, here, look. This is, this is what you should be meaning to the people, He's not Growing this. up, not hiding everything. And uh, I think that's a very powerful like thing and you know there's a lot of uh historical things that are you know thrown tongue in cheek in there left and right but i think there's some things that i thought were fun i'm just gonna throw in the fact that it's 007 all over the place which i thought was great uh and the fact that i think the director was looking toward some 007 stuff um and I, the fact I, think, she, I think at one point Ryan Congler was actually uh, looking at doing 007 with um, Idris Elba. Right. Mm-hmm. Oh. I think there was okay. discussions about that. But she lays out, the little sister lays out all his gadgets for him. Very like Q, correct? Q? Yes. Mm-hmm. And then Quarter the casino here. film, or the casino uh Casino Royale, scene. Skyfall. And- totally, Skyfall. <laughs> Which I thought was, I don't know, I thought it was fun. I felt like uh, it just took a different, it was just, just a different feeling for me than some of the other movies that I had been seeing, watching. Um, I loved the the music change. I loved the drums that started happening. I love drums. But I felt like the music, 
was different than the other movies that we'd been seeing. It, I don't know. I thought they were more authentic. I thought that um, I liked the fact, yeah, that, that we had this kid that grew up on the streets and then he comes in and even though he has, he's the evil villain, um, we understand him and we kind of root for him in a way because we get it. And yeah, you should you should be probably getting this. And this other guy who guy, sorry, uh, T'Challa. T'Challa, who was raised spoon fed, silver, yeah. silver spoon, totally, and, and he had everything he, given to him. He's very. I heard, I was listening to something that was that was saying that it was, um, very much like Lion King, <laughs> how he was trying. He was having this internal struggle on how to. Uh, make it so that he would, like his father was such a force and everyone loved his father and then he had to come figure out how to uh, measure up to his dad and how he's going to do that. It's kind of funny. Um, Well, I'm going to get to the things I liked. Um, I like the fact that the film took the time to establish locales and locations Mm -hmm. and places. So... We could have easily just said, this is Wakanda, here's the skyline, boring. Like in New York City shots and movies, here's New York City. Every window in New York City has New York City skyline in Paris. Yeah, so we had the countryside, we had the city, we had T'Challa walking the streets with the people, and they didn't care. This is our king, but he can walk amongst us and doesn't bother us at all. I like the fact that we had, you know, a little bit of Oakland in there. We had Korea. The director's from Oakland, right? Yeah, so... They took their time establishing where they were and what they were doing and why these were relevant. So later on, when we had that big rhino scene, oh, this is the fields, so this is where we are. And it wasn't like, oh, we're just in a field fighting. It's Mm -hmm. that. And even in the Infinity War trailer, they're in Wakanda. We see the big battle sequence. They're in the fields that they were talking about in in, uh, Black Panther. Um, The costumes were really nice. And even in, there's a couple of scenes when they're in, in Korea where you see the black, red, and green, which are some block of African colors. So there's a lot of detail that went into this. And I felt like this film actually was rooted more in reality than maybe the other Marvel films. Like, this could really be a real thing. Like, besides the herb that he's ingesting, this felt very tribal and very modern at the same time. Like, we're fighting for rights to become king versus mm-hmm. let's have guns and swords. It's like, we're going to beat each other to death or you have to yield. Right. So it felt very genuine in that way. I, I guess I figured my biggest complaint was the whole um, vibranium being the... Suicide Machina or the answer to everything. Like it heals spine injuries, it heals this and that. And I know it has that mystical property to it, but that kind of took me out of that realism to now mysticism. And mm-hmm. so I guess that's my one thing about it is just that this goes on, this one bug goes in a car and now we can drive the car anywhere we want. And it's like, that's cool, that's great, but how, that, what, how does that work? And it took me out of it just for a second. Like that was weird. But I think for what it is, it's a great triumph in cinema as a whole and for black cinema. And going forward, we can actually do more films like this. And some people say, oh, we can have more get outs and more of this and that. I'm like, why not just make better films, <laughs> more original films? Lee Daniels, sorry, I'm calling you out. Um, and uh, let's just tell good stories. And then everything else will follow. We don't need replicants of what's already been done. If that makes any sense. Yeah. Anybody else have any further thoughts on Black Panther? Go see it. If yeah, you haven't already. My thoughts are yeah. definitely go see it. And if you have the chance and opportunity to go see an IMAX, there are some wonderful IMAX shots in this film, especially the entering into Wakanda. Yes. Is all in IMAX. Um, the end big fight scene is in Wakanda. 
or yes, of course it's in Wakanda. IMAX. It's in IMAX. Um, so I'm never proponent for 3D. So just go for the IMAX He's 2D. Actually made a lot. Yeah. I think it was he had a 200 million dollar uh, budget for this movie, and I think he's made. He's made it. He made a billion. Oh, yeah. So he, he made it. He's a billion made after two weeks. I know. I'm kidding. Yeah, Shuri is going to have funny. her. I mean, Shuri will be the next Black Panther, I think. So I think so, too. Well, they, well, she they, they in the comments. Yeah. 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 I think. That's exciting. I, mean, I may be the only one that may be weird, but I want to see Storm just have a cameo or the Storm show up. I mean, they probably won't, but they were married at one point. Yeah, it's fishy water. It's kind of interesting. Yeah, it's fishy water. Well, with the with the fox uh, with the new fox deal, you know. Yeah, she may uh, she may cross over. So some of the X Men. They might be married. You just you know say hey, we used to be married. To, hey, we kind of like each other. The eye glances would be great because I mean, or or Lapita mutates yeah. into Storm. Yeah. Storm and she becomes Storm. Storm. Yes, yeah, that's they Storm. are married. Well, they, they were married. married. Who? Storm and Charlie were they met each other and were together for a while and journeys and trips and doing things and then they got married and then they kind of split up because of that's the comics for yeah. you they we're were talking good. about in the movie no, Storm in the, in the, in the comic, comic, comic books yeah. Yeah. fascinating yeah I read a lot yeah that's fascinating not that you read a lot I'm saying it's fascinating that that's so there are lots and lots of comic book uh, movies and films that have come out over just the last decade let alone the last 30 to 40 years uh, for you to go and look at. Um, feel free to hit us up on Facebook. Tell us what your favorites are. Um, Black Panther is is up there. It's not my favorite, but it is up there because of the things that uh, Anthony pointed out. It is, it is a little bit more rooted in reality. And I feel that when we get closer to reality, I think the superhero films feel uh, more personal. Right. I mean, the, yeah. the the stories come out, and you can relate to them a lot more. Um, I've never felt connected with the Thor films, um, but there was something about watching, you know, this god of thunder in the last one just completely get, you know, down on his luck and have to claw his way back up. It was kind of cool. Um, if I can say something, I... I agree with the personal aspect of it because I grew up watching Superman, and even though I like Superman, you see him flying around and being heroic. And Superman too, he loses his powers; he's getting beat up and pummeled to a bloody pulp. And that was kind of saddening to me. But seeing Batman in reality and seeing these, you know, new Marvel films in reality, you kind of, well, at least to me, I'm thinking to myself, and I always wanted to be a hero growing up. I can do this too, and I don't have to have armor. And I don't want to go fighting bad guys, but I can stand up for people who mm-hmm. are not. It's like you know you can do it yourself always. But seeing Thor in his latest film where he's making fun of Doctor Strange, that whole umbrella scene, that's funny. <laughs> but that's something that a human would do. And you see yeah. Thor actually becoming more and more human and less you know arrogant and snobby. And you see T'Challa yeah. in his world. Anyone can be a hero in his his world. It's just you need to have the the right attitude saying, I can do this too. And I think that's why we created heroes in the first place. They have this bigger than life character to come and save us. But nowadays in our generation, now we're seeing that anyone can be a hero. It doesn't matter if you have a costume or not. And now with this political climate and social climate, anyone can do. If you have powers, I mean, you can be Batman. You can be Batman, have the money and the technology. You don't even need money, just need to have a voice. And that's what comic books always have been, I think, at least for me, a voice to say, stand up and do something. And Spider-Man's a primary example. I mean, he's a mutant, what do they call that, um, metahuman. But he's still, when he doesn't even have powers, he's still trying to help people. He's still, he lost his suit. Iron Man took his suit away from him, and he's still in that stocking suit <laughs> helping people without the special suit. So it's not the powers, it's not the money, it's doing what you know is right to begin with. 
That's Is that beef. why you like the movies? If you have to explain to people who don't get it and are just like, I don't get these movies. I don't get why people go. Obviously, people go. But if you have to explain in like a couple sentences why they're so important to you, why can you explain that? Uh, movies show me the world that I've never seen. I mean, there's some parts of the movies I I've seen parts of Africa I pro- I'll probably never ever see of Europe I'll never see. But watching movies inform my no world superhero view. movies superhero films. That's, same thing. It's showing parts of my personality that I know are there, but they're not activated yet, or they're not. How do you say that? I mean, and the mutants are activated; they're awakened. So superhero films awaken that part of you that says, "I can do this too," without the armor, without the the money. Money helps, armor helps, but you don't need it. You just need a voice and you need to be confident in yourself. That's my take, at least. Okay. I think, for me, I think, you know, and it, it's it's a theme that are rooted in a lot of comic books and they really, they kind of put it out with the superhero films is is really bringing the morality in of like fighting for the people that don't have the opportunity to fight for themselves. Now, that can be somebody with superhero powers, but that can be as simple as you standing up for, you know, somebody kicks somebody in a wheelchair because they're disabled and knocks them on the ground. That could be as simple as you, instead of ignoring them when that happens, helping them up, turning to the person and telling what you're doing is wrong and standing in between them. I mean, it. the reality is it doesn't take a lot to be a hero because it's all in the perspective of what you've done and and the position of where it's happening. Um, and I think for me, it's just like for personally, it's like, I want to be the person that my children look up to. And I think that says a lot to like, you know, my views of watching these superhero films is like not being afraid to, to share my voice, not being afraid to, you know, seeing somebody doing injustice to somebody else and saying, you know what, that ain't cool. Knock it off. And you know, I had an opportunity funny enough at the black Panther with, I took my daughter out of school for uh, Friday to go see it with me. And for some reason, these two people decided to start getting into a fight in the middle of uh, the the film, right toward like the last uh, fight. And then they extended it into the credits. And it's just like just having the voice to be able to stand up and say, hey, you know, knock it off. You know, little things like that, like it can diffuse a situation quicker than you know it, rather than standing there, you know, you, there's 20 or 30 people left by the end credits and they're all just sitting there quietly as these two people are going off in their, in their thing. And it's like, well, nobody else is going to say it. I'm going to say it. Right. Um, but I, I found myself in those positions many times over the years, whether it's been on a sports team, whether it's been at the theater, um, the theater, uh, Theater is a very interesting place, and I think that's where I kind of helped me get my voice and be able to grow my confidence in being able to say something. I was a very shy person. I'm still a shy person. I, I mean, I'll, I'll close up on myself, but every time I do, it's like, you know, it's, uh, you, know you have a, a chance to say something, say it, because you might not ever have that chance again. Mm-hmm. Um, and why? So that was longer than a couple sentences. No. But. <laughs> I, I, if people can expand, I like expansion. Okay, so yeah, why Batman. Batman? 
I think it's the same. I think it's the same thing. And Tony, Tony brought it up, <clears throat> and Ron uh, expanded on it. I think it's really that sense of overcoming oppression, overcoming adversity. Uh, I think a, a lot of comic books came out of, of response to social or political climate. They were they were fighting against oppression. They were fighting against um, injustices, uh, and and that taps in. <clears throat> for me as a kid, that's that's where I connected it to, and I still connect it to. There's this sense of coming together for what's right, standing up for the people that can't stand up for themselves, um, fighting for good, um, fighting for justice, fighting for for each other and for a better way of life. Um, and I think that's what that's what a lot of these films tap into, uh, whether it's whether it's subtextually or whether it's uh, literally. I think a lot of the films and a lot of comic, but the comic books um, did that. And also for me too, there was there's a real. Uh, there's a real sense of camaraderie uh, in the comic books and, and, and in, the, in these stories. There's a real sense of camaraderie of needing one another, of needing your friends, of needing the support um, and overcoming our own insecurities or our own issues in order to work together as a team. And we are stronger together as a team um, that I think is also a, um, an element that's really personal to me. That's really important to me, that sense that we can come together, put our differences aside and work together for something positive. Yeah. I, I think that's a key uh, thing you just hit upon is like, you know, the collaboration or being part of a team. There's not many solo superheroes. There's not many people that are out there that just don't find their way into being part of a team and or have a, a moment in their, their comic books that say, you know what, maybe I am better being a part of a team. Um, Batman um, actually had to have that shown to him a couple of times. I mean, Batman did not want to be a part of the Justice League at all. He kept refusing, and no, he told Superman to his face, no, no way, I work better alone. But over time, he kind of realized that there was a benefit to caring about other people besides himself, and eventually came back from the darkness. And, and he's still dark, but he has more light in him now. And I mean, I will say that I, I've enjoyed the movies that I've seen. I do wish that there were more I mean I'm sorry they're coming. The, the, the women I know but they're coming the fact that there isn't a history of them or I mean we have a few little blips and I don't mean to upset I'm no, just no, it's that, all about timing. that's not upsetting that comes mm-hmm. from a history of the comics being male dominated right it, the, the, I Jeremy mean, Renner the didn't women, help either Women in the background have always been pretty much the key to the comic books. That's how they've they've always addressed them. Women are just side pieces, and it wasn't. <laughs> I know it wasn't until women started becoming artists, becoming the story writers, that they started getting a voice within the comics. But that happens everywhere. That happens within the film industry itself, and it's the same thing that's happening now. Is why why are we at this point when finally we're getting women? Well, who directed Wonder Woman? Patty Jenkins. Who just directed the Jurassic Jones season two? Why does it take a woman director to get women in there? Because that's the because that is Sometimes sad. That's a sad state. And to have these, I mean, look at the movie posters Did of you these see things. Professor Marston in the Wonder Woman. Did you see that origin film of Wonder Woman? How they didn't want him having a woman lead on the cover, and it took all that. Angst and put, that was like in the 30s, wasn't it, when he was making Wonder Woman and they wouldn't let him do it and he kept pushing and pushing. They said yes, finally, but his wife and his other partner were writing that with him and they're still getting pushback. Women were not really seen. They didn't want to see them. How can I put that where it makes sense? Um, women weren't in the forefront. They're still hiding behind. They, and I'm not saying they were, but women were allowed to be behind the men but not in front of them or beside them. 
I thought it was the other thing that seems to be uh, a characteristic of, um, I'm going to say, all superheroes. For some reason, you have to be gorgeous. Well, that's aesthetic. That's the male aesthetic looking at comic books. They want women to be eye candy. That's why women have are drawn men. that way. And so, the men. Well, they want men to think of themselves All, being super every strong. Every single superhero is Flash isn't. amazing looking. I mean, Thor is not my guy, but I know that he <laughs> he is for other women and men. I just uh, it's just interesting that do we have anybody that's just Flash? average? Isn't Flash that's average? Average and ugly. Not ugly. Punisher. Average is not. <laughs> okay. Spawn. Jonathan Berthenol. I mean, uh, Deadpool basically got his face ripped off, so he no longer is... Uh, Good point. Handsome looking. Uh, Spawn is... Yeah, Burnt Spawn is Spawn. Crispy crisp. About bacon. But... I mean, I don't like the way that... <laughs> superhero bacon. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I know what you mean. Some um, of this stuff but, <clears throat> you know, is a little... That, that comes from... Yeah. But the women are taking these roles. I mean, Scarlett Johansson put herself in there. Money. So, yeah. And so, I don't know. Well, I'm going to go back to what um, Ron was saying about collaboration, which is kind of off topic. But the reason why I like theater so much in film directing and theater directing and writing and the whole theater community as a whole when I'm on a production is because there's that collaboration. And it kind of reminds me of the whole Justice League or the superhero teams because we're all coming together from different backgrounds and we all have different issues and sorts. But... Until we get you all together, they don't come out and you don't see them, but we're still coming together to create something bigger than ourselves that helps people. And I think theater and film help people not just escape, but see things or understand things. Like Angels in America is my favorite play. And until I read that in elementary school, fifth grade, I didn't know what AIDS was because no one would tell me. It was too off topic in the 90s. And no one told me what gay people, who they were, what they were all about. Because again, off topic, but reading Angels in America in fifth grade, I realized there are other people out there in the world who were suffering and alone and needed love too. So in a way, plays in theater and film let you see outside of yourself. They bring people together to work on them, and then they bring people together to watch them and understand. And sometimes we get empathy or understand other people. And sometimes people grow angrier and more hurt or they use that as an excuse to be more judgmental or hurtful. But I think art as a whole brings people together more than it brings them apart. I agree. Okay. Well, that is today's stew. That was a healthy uh, dose of conversation there. <laughs> it's good. And Valerie yeah. has a smile on her face. I do. <laughs> you can hear it. So we're going to just quickly rack, wrap up with our show with what's on our radar and what's on our queue. Tony. I'm going to do a lot of reading this week, I think. I'm also going to watch the season premiere of, um, well, not, yeah, season two of Timeless is coming out tonight at 10 o'clock. So I'll be switching between that and Fastlane on WWE Network. Um, WrestleMania is coming up, so I'll probably be talking about that. When it- <laughs> WrestleMania? <laughs> yeah. Okay, cool. Well, oh, okay. Three. Uh, up for me. Uh, I am going to continue with the Jessica Jones season two. I would love to. I don't know if I'm going to. I don't want to use the word escape. But um, if I can get out um, this week, I'd like to see game night. And I really want to see the party. Uh, the party's playing over at the. The little. I thought Game Night was fun. Uh, that's probably one of the better films I've seen this year. I want to see that. It was just it sounds fun. Funny. I'm only giving myself. Is Jason Bateman in that? Yeah. yeah. Okay. And um, Rachel, Rachel, Rachel Adams. Adams. Okay. Rachel yeah. McAdams. Yeah. So yeah, those are I. I'm giving myself just a little, just a few. Okay. 
Anything you've seen or anything in your queue? I know you've been uh, uh, not feeling well lately, so. No, I have a, a four-month-old at home too, so getting out is tough. Mm-hmm. Um, well, we're well, we're doing the we're doing the whole we're, you know talking superheroes. We're doing the whole Marvel marathon lead up to nice. Infinity War, so I got a couple of those to catch up on. I just watched Guardian, rewatched Guardians of the Galaxy this fun. weekend, and trying to hit all of them before Infinity War. Yeah, I do. I did that. What was that? My that was my Christmas vacation. Was doing that with yeah. the girls. Oh, they enjoyed cool. that. Um, I guess I, I caught Game Night this week. Loved it. Thought it was a great film. So much better than the other couple films that I've caught at the theaters this year, except for you know, Black Panther, but still. Um, wrapped up Frankenstein Chronicles Season 2. I uh, thought Season 1 was great. Season 2 was very lacking. Um, it's one of those shows where I wish they would just would have stuck with Season 1 and just been done with it. Um, season 2 didn't add anything more to the mix. Um, and the other thing I'm digging right now is Black Lightning over on the CW. Um, I think it's a fantastically fun uh, new comic show, and it really digs into uh, the the father is basically a principal, and his his daughter is discovering her abilities, and she doesn't know that her dad's a secret superhero on the side. And but it also happens in a very poor section of um, I forgot what town they're in, but it it's pretty. You know, it's a great great show. I dig it. Um, also cut the disaster artist. Hated it. Hated Sorry, it, Tony. Really? Hated it. Um, yeah, we'll talk after. Okay. Did I you just... finish it? <laughs> Did you finish it? I, I struggled through it. Uh, Can you get uh, by, just question the? What did you say? Black Lightning? Is that what you said? Black Lightning's on CW. Right. Can you get it on Hulu? Mm, not I don't know. Probably mm. not yet. If, if you have TV, Apple TV, it's on. Mm-mm. There, but you can stream anything that you can get CW on. You can stream it online. It's free streaming. Okay, cool. So you can go right to their site. Uh, I'm looking forward to. I want to catch Gringo. Okay. Um, and also Tomb Raider comes out this week, so Ooh. I'm probably going to go see Tomb Raider over Gringo this week. You I don't should. think I'm going to have time. Yeah. So that's it. Thank you for the show, Danny. Thanks for coming on. Thanks um, for having me, man. Thank Danny you guys. Uh, likes to hide from social media because <laughs> he's so busy. So you can usually catch him um, occasionally on a video over on the Blackfriars Theater webpage, um, occasionally making an appearance. Uh, head on over to Blackfriars Theater, check him out, check out their shows. Uh, Valerie, where can we find you? Penny Lane 64, Instagram, Twitter. How about you, Tony? I'm on Twitter at S-M-T-O-R-C-H-I-O. And I am GF Media or GF Media CEO. And pretty much anywhere, you can find us at culturalstew.net, at culturalstew.net on Twitter, or culturalstew on Facebook. Thank you, everybody. The intro and break music is Please Listen Carefully by Jazir, available through the Creative Commons license from Free Music Archive. The outgoing music is provided by Epidemic Sound. Please see our show notes for details on what the outgoing song is and who it is by. And also, as always, if you have a piece of music that you'd like us to play or consider playing, please contact us today. Like what you've heard? Want to continue to hear more? Please consider Patreon. What is Patreon, you ask? Patreon is a content creator support site, a way for people to support the things they love and allow creators to continue creating the content that they love. Please consider heading over to patreon.com slash gfmedia and becoming a Patreon supporter today.